1: Hello and welcome to This Spiritual Fix, episode 21, season 2. This is the last episode of the season. It's our Halloween special, and we're talking about a lot of our ghost stories. Enjoy! Fix Two Mystical Mamas hacking the self help game. With Anna Strongquist and Christina Wilson. <laughs> Hello, Anna.
0: Hi, Christina. I love your spooky voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to our special Halloween episode in case you have not had enough Halloween, 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 Halloween everywhere that you go this week because we are obsessed with things scary in our culture. I think most places are. But ghosts aren't scary and that's what we want to talk about today. (laughs) That is. But before we do and we will talk about a couple of maybe possibly scary things or things that could encounters that we've had with things that are less than the highest resonance right now we are putting everyone into a etheric faraday cage you could say this is this is the image that they gave me earlier and it is in the shape of an octahedron it has all sorts of super white amazing light and anything that we say will not take you anywhere that you don't expect to go
0: yeah But we're only talking about good stuff today. And as I was told when I was exercised of a ghost, and we'll get into this later, ghosts are not scary. They are not malicious. They are confused energy. They are energy with no place to go. So there is, you know, nothing can be created or destroyed. Sometimes energy just gets kind of lost and confused on its route towards wherever it needs to go. And that's essentially what a ghost is. You don't need to worry that they are malicious or they're out to get you. They're just they're just confused energy. This we are going to talk about ghosts in the truest sense of them, and not in the Hollywood glamorized. Oh, the ghost's going to kill me. Oh, the ghost wants to haunt me. No, ghosts is just displaced energy. Right.
1: So first, we're going to be talking about ghosts. Yeah. And 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 mostly Casper the friendly ghosts, right? Because that's <laughs> what ghosts are in the traditional sense. They are confused. They're confused spirits, and they. What else, Anna?
0: Well, I think that there's a lot of different things we can talk about today, that there are entities, there are Mm -hmm. spirits, and then there are ghosts. Mm -hmm. And we have spirits would be, say, your ancestral ghosts that are near you and dear to you, like my grandmother and my mother and my uncle often visit me and yes, they are ghosts, but they are, I would classify that as spirits because they're benevolent and they're loving and yeah, they'll come and check on me. Or if I think of like, I just, I just saw all of them line up behind Christina (laughs) because when I even just think of them or talk about them, they show up. So, So, you know, spirits, when we die, we are out of our body and we have omnipotent power to be anywhere at the same place. Even if we're reincarnated, we can, there's some part of us that's always out there that can be anywhere at the same time. So like, just by thinking of a dead loved one, they are instantly going to be here with you, whether you yeah. can see them or not. So just by thinking of my grandma, uncle, and mother, like boom, they're just here right now because even if they've moved on, some part of them still is available to me whenever I want it. So spirits are very Casper-esque, very friendly, loving ghosts from the other side that are just here to love and protect you. So there's, there's those.
1: Yep. And I think that that's a really good thing to distinguish too, is that I've gotten, often gotten that question that I don't sense my ancestor as much as I used to. I don't sense, I don't sense my loved one as much as I used to. And it may be that the bulk of their energy has moved into a new body but that their spirit, their overlighting spirit that is always their higher self is always present. It never reincarnates and goes anywhere. Right. It's
0: like if I read a newspaper article or of someone who recently died and then they're instantly in my presence because I've thought of them. Yeah. That presence is a lot stronger than when I think of someone who's died 10, 20 years ago.
1: Right, exactly. So so then if we move from spirits to ghosts, then what we can say is that ghosts are confused spirits who are often unable or have not transitioned yet to the other side.
0: Right. Maybe they met a traumatic or untimely death Mm -hmm. and they weren't quote unquote ready to go. Yep. And so they got stuck here in kind of limbo land and they're like, they didn't get on the fast track to their next life or heaven or wherever you want to call it. They're confused.
1: Right. And so those are often the ones that we encounter in houses and different things. Yeah, like the cupboards. Yeah, when you hear
0: like cupboards, you know, or you see someone in a home or an old haunted home. It's usually just someone like civil war sites or like sites of war, slavery, trauma, Auschwitz, all that stuff. Those are ghosts that are is because they they weren't expecting to die, and then,
1: yeah, and, and there's also something really important here, which is also something again, I, I talk with a lot of people about, is that ghosts are formed there oftentimes they are formed or they are still around because they had a, a very dramatic emotional experience on earth and that left a resonance that can be seen in ours or sensed or heard in our dimension right because if you tune into the ghost radio station they're literally fucking ghosts everywhere every it's, it's incredibly it's all crowded. over the place. They're incredibly, incredibly crowded, but the ones that are able to punch through, and I won't even use the word punch through. I, I mean, uh, the, the ones that we are able to sense here have usually had an incredibly dramatic emotional response to something in their lives. And that has left an imprint that is able to be sensed by us in our physical worlds, in our physical ears, and is able to actually move, move right. different pieces and may have you know resonance in a in a kinetic way on this plane
0: or you might have some sort of ancestral affiliation with that ghost for example there might be a ghost and everyone in the family doesn't feel it but you and Mm -hmm. you hear it maybe because your dna is mutated in a way that you are vibing on some level with that ghost or you have a past life karma with that ghost like you might have an individual reason why you're picking up on the presence of a ghost and someone isn't but they are and you're not you know, and then there's also question of you know if you're more intuitive than or more psychic, you're right. gonna you're gonna sense it more. But a lot of times there are lessons to be learned here, or some sort of tuning fork. You're giving off a tuning fork, and that they can resonate to, or vice versa. Yeah,
1: and it's giving you access to something that you may not have been able to, because access comes to us in every single way. It comes to us in dreams. It comes to us in ghosts. It comes to us in, in, in everything that you can imagine in that way. And that is that's if the ghost is showing up. For shadow work. And that's often the case if you are the only one who is sensing this and it may not be an intuitive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly is entities. So the distinction that I make, Anna, and, and maybe you have a different distinction. The distinction that I make is that ghosts are often attached to places, but they aren't necessarily attached, quote unquote, to energetically people. to people, whereas entities are. Yeah.
0: And Ent- entities also are different than ghosts in that ghosts are usually just confused dead people and entities are are non-human pervs.
1: Yeah, though at the same time- <laughs> Not pervs, but-, <laughs> yeah. but they have
0: agendas. An entity yeah. has an agenda, a ghost does not.
1: Right, and so I think I- Or been- the ghost
0: agenda is to get back on track and go back to where it needs to be, yeah. and you, you're you just kind of inconsequential to it. And an entity is actually like a leech, an energy leech that has an agenda, which is to suck energy off of you.
1: Right, and, and in the previous episode with Robbie, our shaman, I talked about an experience in which- after I gave birth, I had a whole bunch of ghosts attached to me. That was probably confusing to some people because you're like, well, this doesn't follow that description. But obviously sometimes we interchangeably use those words. So a better way for me to describe that experience in which I had a whole entity, bunch of was yeah. that I had a whole bunch of entity attachments that were feeding off of my energy system. Right. Hungry
0: ghosts is what they call it like in Buddhism. In Buddhism so exactly. So yeah, if hungry ghosts versus ghosts. Hungry ghosts are energy suckers and ghosts are just like confused dead people. Right.
1: And also Oftentimes what we do find with entity attachments in particular is that the entity has found a chink in your armor. So the funny thing is that entities can also form a form of access because if you are, for instance, childbirth is, uh, I'll use that same example, is that I opened up a portal in my cervix that allowed all these hungry ghosts to attach onto me right and what i needed that gave me access to be able to do the shadow work to recognize that not only did i need to get rid of the entities but also that i was intuitive right like it allowed me to go down this whole it gave me access these entity attachments gave me access and clues that said that You're i was very sensitive that i was very sensitive and that i was that that if i wasn't careful and i wasn't keeping my system clean that it could have a serious effect on my mental health Right. And I needed to know that so that I could then move forward on my intuitive journey and not just kind of, you know, get stuck in a bad place. And then we often use the word demons. Demons are incredibly personal in the sense that, like, they are personal to you and your journey and they are usually something that gets created in your pain body. So when we're referring to demons in that respect, that's what we are. So we're not mentioning them today other than this very brief thing because we've already talked about feeding your demon. We've already talked about demons in that respect.
0: Let me talk about my first encounter with a ghost. I grew up in a historic home in New Mexico, a beautiful adobe, red Spanish tile home, thick walls, very old. And growing up in that house, I would see a ghost boy. He would run past me and he would usually be wearing like an old-fashioned sailor suit and he had like the curl ringlet hair and he's probably three or four. And I would just see him often just like running past me or I'd see him quickly in the corner of a room. And if I was home alone doorknobs would knock handles on the doors would turn things like that my sister also saw him and she also experienced the same thing as me some of her friends some of my friends did too I can't remember but basically my sister and I both saw him multiple times I mean like it was a sometimes daily occurrence sometimes a weekly occurrence we were just used to him being in that house one day a family came to visit and they said that they had lived in our house when they were growing up and they wanted to just kind of see what the house was like when they were a kid. So when they visited, we asked, did anyone ever die in this house? And they said, well, actually, we had a casita in the back, like a mother-in-law suite. They said that in that casita, a little boy about three years old had died of scarlet fever. So anyways, that kind of corroborated my sister and I's like the the child's gender and age and, and dress kind of all came together. So that was validating for us that like, yes, there's this little boy running around the house. One day I was home alone and he ran by me and I started to get really curious. So I said, I know you're here. I know you're here, little guy. Who are you? Make yourself known to me. I'm ready to see you. And I started to hear little footsteps coming towards me. And I got really fucking freaked out. So I yelled and I said, no, I don't. I don't want to see you. I don't ever want to see you again. Go away. And I never saw him again. I had courage to meet him. My courage waned when I heard him approaching and I freaked out and I banished him and I never saw him since. Wow. So there's my first ghost story.
1: Wow. Yeah. My first ghost story happened a lot later in life for me. I was mostly a dream gal for like the first I mean just whatever it is whatever circumstance. And when I was in college, I went to Italy for the summer. And I at the time I was basically staying with a guy and we were we stay we were staying in a in a in an apartment together for for like basically the whole second half of the summer. And he surprisingly was very open to these sorts of things, and so was I. And I started to recognize that I could see things because I would see them out of the corner of my eye in this apartment, right? And to be honest, it was the first time I had ever spent time in a very old place, like in a very in a place you know in which the building I was staying in was a couple hundred years old, right? Um, and I remember seeing a little boy in the corner and I remember that, that there was a room in the apartment in which there was a woman who lived and she did not like other women. Right. So we talk about benevolent ghosts versus other types of ghosts. But in this particular case, this, this ghost would I, become apparent to me. Mm-hmm. And whenever I walked into that room, I always got a very, I felt sick to my stomach to the point where it escalated to the fact that like it was, it was one of those strange things where like a spice jar had fallen off the, the shelf and it had broken in such a way that you couldn't tell that there was glass inside the herb, like the, 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 the spice had glass in it. And so I like poured the glass out into the food and I was like, It wasn't until... And and it was just for me. Like, I was literally just cooking for me. And my boyfriend comes up and he's like, Oh, yeah, actually, there's glass in that. You shouldn't eat that. But I was like... It was just one of those weird things where I was like, I knew it. It was like, I, I knew my second sense back then. I knew that there was some sort of meddling, meddling that was going on that, that, that kind of got in the way in this particular case. And so the, she
0: doesn't sound like a confused ghost. She was a malicious ghost.
1: I think she was probably a malicious ghost. So yeah. she's
0: probably like an entity.
1: Yeah, and that could be the more accurate thing is that she was an entity who was particularly attached a to a place. Ghost. A hungry ghost or an entity that was attached to the place itself and therefore oh. was out to get women in general because men walked into that room and they didn't feel anything even sensitive men walked into that room and oh, they didn't wow. sense, sense anything. So that that was my experience and that whole summer was just this really fun like even that experience was fun because it was like I was really starting to to go into understanding that I did have psychic abilities and that I could see things and being in Italy was just like completely ripe with ghosts like there were just ghosts Everywhere, like right. everywhere I looked, I started. By the time I got to the end of the summer, I was just used to seeing them out of the corner of my eye, usually. But I could always see them in my mind's eye when I closed my eyes, and I was able to sense. Um, I was using using my other senses and not my actual physical eyes. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: I'll give my second. Ghost story. Yeah. I was older in this one. I was probably 16 or 17. And my friend Anna and I from high school, we somehow made friends with an older woman who was like in her 40s or 50s while we were 16 or 17. But she was just super cool. And her husband was out of town one weekend. So she's like, you guys should come to my house because it's haunted. So she lived in Mesilla. So if you're familiar with New Mexico, Mesilla is like a non-commercialized historic little town like Santa Fe. But Santa Fe is very commercial and kind of popular and whatever. But Messiah is kind of like the real deal. And there's a haunted restaurant in Masia. And waiters and waitresses have stories of the ghost that lives there and there's a whole reason why it's haunted and New Mexico is ripe with ghost stories I mean that's the thing so she lived in Mesilla which was the oldest part of my town in New Mexico and she said that she had a haunted house and that the woman had a name and I forgot the name now It was like Agnes or something and she would see the woman in her house a lot and she's like you guys gotta come over to my house and and meet this ghost and my friend and I were like yeah cool we want to go we want to go so we drive at night to Mesilla, which is creepy, creepy, creepy. Like <laughs> if you want to know about like Roswell, New Mexico with these big vast guys in the dark, it, that's already creepy in a way. But anyway, so we show up at her house th- at night and we walk in through the door and we feel immediately spider webs being pulled off our skin. It felt as if our arms were covered in spider webs. We both felt the same thing and we felt like someone was pulling it or you could, another thing to make it, how you could see it, another way to explain how it felt would be like if you had really, really long arm hair and like someone was just like pulling on your arm hair, Mm -hmm. but it was just like this feeling of being pulled like spiderwebby and pulling and it was a really, really, really weird sensation. We both felt it and we later found out that, yeah, that's one of the signs of a ghost is this feeling of spiderwebs on the skin. So we felt that, and that was always we felt. We didn't see anything, but we were really like intrigued. And when she went out of town, she had us house sit, and we told my stepmom. And my stepmom is completely fearless. She's like, "I want to feel the ghost. I want to see the ghost." So she comes over with us, and she she starts yelling, "Okay, Agnes, or whatever the ghost name was. I want to see you. I want to see you. Can you come out?" And like, there was no spiderweb feeling. There was nothing. It was almost like. I don't know why, but she just didn't like show up when someone who was absolutely unafraid and very curious was there. Interesting. She just didn't show up. Anyway, so that was my second ghost story. Spider
1: webs on the skin. Shy, shy ghosts, right? Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how a lot of people I know will see shadow figures Right, like they see that more more than they see other things. Like I I can tell you, so many people who I know who are psychic now, they they have a sense of they remember being kids and having shadow figures around. Other people will feel the, it's like in the sixth sense when you feel that feeling in the back of your neck, like you're being watched. Like that's it. Like there's a lot of physiological responses that we have to when energy changes and you know, anybody who debunks ghost stories will probably tell you that there are a million different explanations for that. But who sure, knows? Sure is funner to believe it. Yeah, exactly. Anna, do you want to tell us about your Auschwitz story? Yes.
0: So I lived in India for about two or three years, but before I went to India I actually traveled through Europe and one of the places that I traveled was I went to the Auschwitz concentration camp in Poland. And when I was in India, I took a Vipassana course, my first Vipassana course. And during that course, I had a lot of Kriyas, meaning my body moved a lot rapidly. Some people thought I was having a seizure. I wasn't having a seizure. I just felt a lot of energy on my body. And... When the course was over, some people came up to me. They're like, Were you having a seizure during the course? I was like, No, it was just like there was a lot of energy in me. Like, the only way I can explain it is I felt like there was so much energy in me that I would explode. So, my body would kind of tremble and shake a lot. But the teachers told me that it was fine, that I was just having Kriyas, it was no big deal. And I just took it to mean that, like, whatever, I was just having a deep experience. So, then a couple of days later, we were at a restaurant in Kathmandu, Nepal. And a woman that I met in the course was there with a bunch of friends who were there on shamanic training for some reason or another, she had told him about me shaking during the course. So one of the people came up to me and he said, I couldn't help but hear that you were shaking during your course. And I said, yeah, that's right. And he goes, tell me during the course, did you have any dreams of ghosts assaulting you? And I was like, well, yeah, actually I had a dream that a ghost raped me. And, um, he goes, you need to see a shaman That is not normal to shake like that in a course. And the fact that you dreamt that a ghost raped you is further evidence that you have an entity ghost attachment on you and you need to go see someone about this. And I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe so. I'm very skeptical, right? This is Mm -hmm. in my very beginning of my spiritual practice. I didn't really believe him. So that friend gave Reiki and she said to me, I really want to give you a Reiki session. Can I give you one? So I went to her apartment and I lay down on the ground and she started giving me a Reiki session. And every time she passed her hand over my body, my ha- my leg or whatever, let's say she did my thigh, it would start to twitch. Like my entire leg would start to twitch hundreds of times she'd move her hand over my knee. My knee would start to twitch. I mean, this is something I could not control. There's no way in the world that I have that kind of muscular control that I can make my patella tremble or that I could make this muscle twitch a thousand times. But she was like, Anna, I've never seen this before. Every time I pass my hand, I mean, we were both like, what the hell is going on? My Mm -hmm. muscles were trembling and twitching with her just hovering her hand over me. She's like, Anna, it feels like there are two people in this body. It's just too much energy in you. So she's like, you should really go see that shaman guy. And I was like, I'm really skeptical. Like, this is really weird. And she goes, why don't you just request to find out in a dream? So I was like, okay, before I go to bed, I'm just going to make a request. If there is something that I need to know, reveal it to me in a dream. And if the dream tells me with any sort of like undeniable accuracy, I'll go see the shaman tomorrow. So that night I have a dream and in the dream is an older woman. And we're just talking. And she says to me, I'm inside of you. You picked me up on your travels. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, where would I have picked you up on my travels? Like where, why would I have you on me or in me? And she pulls up her sleeve and she shows me her identification number tattooed on her arm. And I suddenly realize, oh my God, I pick this woman up in Auschwitz. And she goes, I killed myself on the electric fence. You always hear the stories of the survivors. You never hear the stories of those of us who died. I want to be on you because I want you to tell my story. And she showed me through images that she was depressed in the concentration camp and she went to the electric fence and she held on to it and she electrocuted herself till she died. And that's why I would tremble and twitch so much because it was like this electricity trauma of her in my body. Wow. And I said, I'm going to tell your story. I'm going to tell your story. I will tell your story. So just leave me alone. And. I woke up and I was like, that was a freaking crazy dream. It was so real. It was like her and I were having a conversation and I was like, that freaked me the fuck out. I don't want to tell her story, but here I am telling her story. I can't so, even
1: believe that. I literally just got yeah, chills when I was so like, oh I, shit, you're telling So story. I am
0: telling her story. So her story was just, she wanted people to remember, you know, we hear the stories of the survivors and we praise their robust luck and how they were able to survive this and survive that. But like, we forget about the stories of the people who couldn't take it and that even electrocuting themselves on a fence was an escape from the hell they were living. I mean, that's that was, in essence, I feel like what she wanted me to know. Mm. So I decide I'm going to go find the shaman in Nepal because this is just too fucking crazy. I mean, the dream was so vivid, so clear. I can just remember seeing her pull up her arm and seeing the tattoo and being like, oh my God, so... I go find the shaman, and he lives in the middle of fucking nowhere in the hills of Kathmandu. Like, I had to ask all these people who didn't even speak English. Like, da 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 by the stroke of luck, I found this guy's house and in his house, it was him, two other shamans and then about five Europeans who were there on shamanic training. And one of them was the guy from the restaurant that I had met a few nights before. And he's like, Oh my God, you found it. And then the shamans, the the main shaman man who looked like a normal Nepali businessman, like he didn't look anything, you know, (laughs) you think shaman, Oh, feather in the hat, loincloth. No, like just a normal looking dude. Yep. And he's like, You found us like no one fucking finds this place. You were meant to have a session with us. I was again, I was skeptical. This was in my early years, very skeptical. And I said to him, I didn't want to like provide any information so he would know what I had seen in my dream. And he just looked at me and he says, there's a woman on you. And I want you to know first and foremost, ghosts are not what you think about in the movies. They're not zombies. They're not evil entities. They're not out to get you and possess you. This is a person who has suffered a lot in her life and you have something in common with her. And so she latched onto you because she felt that you would understand her in some way. She's not evil and she's not bad, but she has gotten into your aura field. She's like in you and on you, but she's not bad. She's just confused. And we just need to send her on her way. So he made me feel really... Like, I was freaking out that there was a fucking dead woman in me. You know? But he made me feel really good. And then I told him the dream. Because at this point, it was clear, like, he knew what he's talking about. And he says, oh, are you Jewish? And I said, yes. He goes, well, that's why she attached to you. You see? You carry an ancestral... Some sort of ancestral link with this woman. And that's why she attached onto you and not someone else. So... He put me in a room with the other shaman, and they had me sit down in lotus position. And the other shaman got a brush, like a horsehair brush, kind of looked like something you would um, sweep the floor with. Mm -hmm. And he starts sweeping my whole aura, and the whole time he's chanting and yelling and chanting and yelling, sweeping me, sweeping me, sweeping, sweeping on me, like brushing me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just having my eyes closed. And while he's doing it, I swear to God, I feel the presence of someone peel off of me. Like I feel her peel the fuck off of me. Wow. And I feel her coming like literally like, like as if she was wearing a suit and I was the suit. And I feel her like one leg, one arm at a time peel off of me, come off of me. And then at the very end, he chants something else and he goes <sighs> and he blows. And as he blows, he very strongly takes that brush and brushes me. And I feel her just come right off of me and wow. she's off. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. And I had just gotten out of my first ipasana course. I was very, very, very sensitive to sensations and body feelings and mm-hmm. reality of like feelings. I was like, I felt her come off of me. He's like, yeah, she's on her way now and you're okay. And he gave me a little bag of rice that he had blessed. And he says, keep this rice near you for 21 days so she doesn't attach back on you. I, st- I never got rid of that rice. That rice is still in my closet <laughs> 15 <laughs> years later. Wow. But that was my Auschwitz ghost story. And that was more than a ghost story. That was that was what I would call a walk-in. She literally walked into my body. Yeah. And this is what's crazy. I go back to the US. I get my film developed. I couldn't get it developed in India because it was one of those panoramic cameras that like are very special. Yeah, yeah. I go to get my roll of film developed that was filmed in Auschwitz. And guess what happened to that camera roll? It was completely blank. It was not blank. It was lightning bolts all over the fucking film everything every photo that I took in Auschwitz had bright lights in it and it looked like electricity oh
1: that totally gave me the
0: yeah that gave me the creeps yeah I don't know what I did with that film I might have freaked the fuck out and thrown it away but I was like that's where I got her don't take fucking photos of Auschwitz don't take fucking photos of cemeteries was like the, the message I felt I got when I got that film developed
1: yeah yeah
0: that's my Auschwitz story and whether or not you think I'm lying or I'm crazy this is my truth it happened my friend who gave me Reiki is a witness that some crazy electromagnetic shit was happening to my muscles and that shaman wherever he is in Nepal I mean he validated everything for
1: me wow wow (sighs) I feel like I need to say like a really light fun story yeah that was a (laughs) No, that was amazing. But that I did end amazing. up telling
0: her story, which is just kind of crazy. I know
1: that's the thing that I think is the, is the craziest about this. Is that it's like, like,
0: there's we have thousands of listeners.
1: Yeah, and now they can hear her story, and now they're finally hearing her story. Like it's come, it's come fully,
0: it's come full circle. It's
1: totally come full circle because there is no time.
0: Yeah, maybe she knew, and that's why she
1: jumped on me. Yeah, maybe she knew, and so that was my story. So is an amazing storyteller, so I'm not sure if I can really top that story. But I will tell you guys a story about my first experience with what I would like to call a hellhole. As I just mentioned, this is a story about a hellhole, which could be very scary for some people. So if you don't want to go there, even though we have put up your protections, you can skip now to 45 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> And this is different in the sense that it is not a, it kind of goes outside the realm of what we're talking about a little bit in terms of entities, ghosts, ancestors, and spirits, because it is a place. It is very much a place that is a portal, right? And this is a portal which is something that you also may encounter, whether that's in a place that you go to, whether that's in a place in your mind, there are portals everywhere. And, you know, when we were talking about in previous episodes, I was talking about the overlays, about how the overlays are basically, you know, an unseen world that sits on top of us that, you know, has all sorts of portals to all different places, which is why you know, uh, you pick up an object and you can feel something about it. It basically transports you back to a different time or it's it able to sense things and portals exist in objects and portals exist everywhere. So, so this is about a portal which gave way to lots of ghosts, spirits, entities, etc. So we have a friend, and this is a close, these are close, this is like a family that has a lot of the same age kids as we do and we have a lot in common with them and we've been friends with them for quite a long time. And they invited us down to their their house in Oglethorpe County in Georgia, which is east of Athens. And we lived in Atlanta at the time and we were like, oh, this is super awesome. I'm really excited about it. My husband and kids had, I think maybe gone there for like the day, like a day trip earlier, but I had never been there before. And so I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be so great. I'm so excited about this. And so we go out there and when we get there, you know, I, it just seems like it's like an old farmhouse. It's like a 200 year old farmhouse. It's like, yeah, not a big deal. Right. Like every, everything seems pretty cool. And I walk into the kitchen and I can't, and the kitchen's like on the far side of the house. And I, and I honestly can say that I cannot get over how dizzy i felt the moment i walked into that house and that is like for anybody like it's like it, it was interesting because it seemed to pull it, it's like anybody who was in there became manic almost manic and dizzy like you would talk and you couldn't stop talking and it was just like the energy was just like intense like it was like electrified and so anybody you know have you ever had those conversations with someone when you're like you vibe on the same level and it's like, you literally can't stop talking. You're like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk. And then the other person's trying to fit in, their talking and everyone's just trying to talk and it just feels manic yeah. in the air. And that's what this place felt like. So we get to talking and I get to talking with, with my the wife, my friend, and she's like, yeah, this house has a lot of really strange history. She's like, this house is like 200 years old. And before we moved in, it was a dog fighting ring. Like there was a dog fighting ring on the property, and they think that they found some sort of Indian burial grounds, like a couple acres over. And you know, it feels it feels a little bit weird, but the minute I came up to it, I knew I wanted to live here. And there was a murder in the attic about a hundred years ago, and you know, it, it kind of just keeps going on. Like the stories just keep getting better, and I'm like. There's something, there's something funny going on here. I can feel this manic energy. I can sense what's going on. Like I don't, I don't, you know, this is, this is years ago when I didn't really know a lot about this kind of stuff necessarily and, or I was just learning. And so I was like, I needed to get some air and I was like, okay, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to go outside because I feel like I cannot stop talking and I cannot stop listening and I feel like I cannot relax. Right. And I, I walk outside and I'm drawn to the side yard. And so I walk to the other side of the house away from the kitchen and I see this really old tree. And this tree is, it's like a—it's like an oak, but it's dead. It's completely dead. And there's another oak that's like, you know, 150 feet away and it's beautiful and it's alive. And then there's another one, another 50, way, 50 feet away and it's beautiful and it's alive. And I look up at this tree and immediately I see animal sacrifices in the etheric from the branches. Like I see them hanging from the branches of this tree. I can see the ancestral, like, like I like see through time. It basically, it's like seeing through a portal through time, but they never left. It was like they were done maybe 50, hundred, 150 years ago. And yet they were still sitting there in the etheric as if they had just happened. And so I see that. And then I look past it and I literally see an entire field full of hundreds of fucking spirits that are just wandering around this, this thing the, that is this portal that is literally uh, 75 feet across. It is black and it goes a hundred feet up in the air and it goes like, uh, it can go down, it goes down in the ground. And I was like, Oh my God, what the fuck is this? Right. Cause I've, I've seen Robbie's portal. Robbie has a portal in the back of her house, but it's all white energy. It's like, it's very, very different feeling. Right. And it's a portal so that spirits can cross over. But this was like something fucking, I'd never seen anything like this before. I'd never sensed anything like it before. And I just saw all these spirits around and I saw all these Native American spirits and I saw all these other spirits and I was just like, oh my God, I don't even know what the fuck is going on right now, but I'm in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And it is like a fucking maelstrom of spirits and energy and a big ass black portal, right? And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at the time, which is why this is like, you know, I sometimes get, intuitions about how I should do something and in those cases I am supposed to do it because I know that it's going to be safe and it's going to be fine kids in the car (laughs) well no but that was the thing this time I was like oh I should I even think I remember hearing that word I should close that as if I even knew what I was fucking dealing with at all to be able to be like I can close that portal no problem right like I've closed portals like tiny portals and things before and I had been able to do that I knew that was one of my skills but like you know, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And so I like, first I tried to just like shut it down, but it was so big and it was spinning so fast. And there was so much around it that I was just like, I, I like kind of literally the only thing that I could do was put saran wrap, like the equivalent of etheric saran wrap over the top of it. Because that was it. That was all I was able to do in that moment when I was sitting there, like with this like crazy ass, fucking scary ass oak tree with all these animal sacrifices hanging from it, looking at this field full of ghosts. And it was the only thing I could kind of do. I was like, maybe that'll help, right? Maybe that'll do something. <laughs> oh my God. Such a fucking bad idea.
0: Saran wrap.
1: It's saran wrap. Like it was like a theric saran wrap. That was the best I could do because I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to like get to the motor of it. I didn't know how to do that. And then and then even in those cases like i would have needed to help the spirits cross over because the spirits were obviously attracted to the portal which is the best that i could figure right so what was it a portal to hell I, th- so that I, I i will reveal that i will reveal that okay. here um in a second so i go back inside and the adults are supposed to go out to dinner And my son, who was three, two, three at the time, something like that, literally did not want me to leave at all. Like he literally, the only time I had gotten away from him that whole time was when I went outside to look at the portal, right? Not even knowing I was going outside to look at the portal. And so I was, he was just like terrified for me to leave. I was like, oh my God, can we actually leave? And I thought maybe it was just separation anxiety or something along those lines, but we go. And we come back, and the and the babysitter is like, "Yeah, everything everything was okay. They went to sleep." And Luke and I go to sleep in one of the playrooms that's in this house, this old house. And literally, the entire night, stuff is dropping. Like, literally, just just toys are dropping off the shelf all night. Every five, every ten minutes, every twenty did minutes. Luke wake up to that? No. Oh, he did sometimes. Yeah, he did sometimes. But most of the time, like things are just like, oh my gosh, something is pissed off that we're here, and and. And the funny thing is, is that like our friends had told us that every morning between two and three in the morning, their kids woke up screaming. And I was like, and and I remember they said, and if they're listening to this, I know. All three kids. uh, I think at least one of them did. And they always just like, well, our kids just need a lot of emotional support. And I was like, this is not normal. Like, and it wasn't revealed until. Right. When
0: people tell me that their kids have night terrors, I want to be like, dude. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, seriously. And There's so, no
0: such thing as an well, I don't want to go into why, but I i believe night terrors are a different thing.
1: Yeah. So lo and behold, two or three woken up every 10, 20 minutes because stuff is falling off the fucking shelf of the room that we're in. Two to three, two to three in the morning, and I wake up and my son is projectile. It's like fucking exorcist My son <laughs> is projectile vomiting all over the bed and he's just completely dazed and he's got this look oh, in his eyes this completely glassed over look in his eyes and I just like I and the sp- other kids are screaming well well, Lyra's asleep because Lyra's left her body I can see that she's left her body and the other kids are screaming because they were all in the same room and I just pick up Tamlin and he literally does not leave my side for the rest of the thing because he was fine he didn't get sick when he was in my orc field because I had all the things I have protections up against my kids but like For whatever reason, my auric field was okay in that sense, and so he didn't leave me. He didn't leave me the whole time. He wasn't sick again, but like he probably didn't feel well, but he couldn't really tell me, right? So we get in the morning, and I wake up, and I'm just like, I need to get out of this house. Yeah, I wouldn't
0: have stayed there if I had seen that. that, that, Well, that's just me. If I had seen a hellhole. I would have been like, babe, we're going to pack the car up and we're going home. <laughs> well, I know
1: that now. But the crazy thing was we got up at 7 o'clock in the morning and a, and there's a, there's a knock at the door. This is 7 o'clock in the morning in the middle of fucking nowhere, Georgia. And a woman had somehow, she had Alzheimer's or she had some sort of dementia. She had left her house. Miles down the road, lost a shoe on the way, and ended up at the front door of this house. And I knew as soon as I saw her that she had something directly to do with this hellhole. Yeah. And I'm calling it a hellhole in this case, but like it is, she had something directly to do with it. At first, I saw her angelic self, but I know now that it was not the fun kind of angelic, if you know what I'm saying. Like it was, it was a guardian of this hellhole, right? Had basically taken over her body and had taken and, and taken this person who was almost vacated from their body and took them right. down the road. They're like,
0: she's not home. Let's go in her.
1: Exactly. Ooh, showed I'm up, getting chills. Show, showed up at this fucking house and... She's y- like, get Christina out of here. And and by the time that that happened, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I was like, I, I have to get my family out of here. I don't know how to do this. Like, I, I have to figure out... You ran out. over your head. Yeah, I was totally in over my head. And I was like, I need Robbie to be able to do this, right? Robbie our shop. Yeah, and so... I got the stuff together. I didn't go back in the house for most of the time that that was left to like kind of get our stuff together and do everything like that. And it was so funny because we were in the car on the way to leave and I was, and Luke was picking his music. He literally spent five minutes, because this is what he does. He spent five minutes picking his fucking music while we were sitting at the fucking house and I was like, are you kidding me? I need to get the fuck off this property. I was like, I don't think you understand that we do. You can stop on the side of the road two miles down from here and you can pick your music, but get me the hell out of here, right? Like, I was like, I got to do something. I got to do something for the people who live here, but they're used to it. They've been used to it for however long, but, like, I am not. And I fucked with that hole, and I think it's blowing back on me, like, to the point where they have sent entity spirits to come and check what the fuck is going on. Like, that is not cool. Like, none of this is safe. And she lost her
0: shoe. I mean, that's just...
1: Uh, yeah, so... They, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> So as soon as I am uh, like literally leaving, I feel like I have the same thing that Tamlin does. Like my son does. I feel like I have some sort of illness. I feel like I'm about to to, to be sick and throw up and like, and I get home and I try to close my eyes because I don't feel well because it's like a couple hour drive home. I try to close my eyes because I can't, I don't feel well. And I literally can just see entities and demons and whatever you want to call it just like all over my vision it's like my my vision was just black and mm. all I could see was I could just feel all these things on me and all these things in my space all these different things and I had to call Robbie our shaman and I was like Robbie I don't know what to do she's like you need to, this is when I first learned light language she's like I'm gonna give you light language right now and it's gonna get everything off of you And I'm gonna give light language to your kids and I'm gonna give light language to everyone there and I'm gonna teach you know and then and then I, I literally, she gave it to me for like half an hour. I sat there where I felt like I was going to throw up, and all I could see in my vision was just this nasty. Oh my gosh! And and that was the end. And then I was able to fall asleep, and I felt better. But it took me two days to feel better after that. And
0: then you guys eventually, she went. She cleared the property, right? Yep.
1: So eventually, Robbie cleared the property, and you and I and Robbie even cleared the kept clearing the property yeah. because what we found out was that it was in fact a hellhole it was a portal that went directly to the darkest part of the collective unconscious which is a creation of humans by the way it's not like anything other than the the collective energy that's like that we have that's negative and and she cleared all the, like Robbie cleared all the spirits. She cleared, she closed the hole itself and she did it and she had to do it in a wholly different way than she had because it was something that was so big. And so, you know, it was protected by spirits in the area, which is what that woman that showed up at the door was. But I do remember that you and Robbie and I, when we went to work on it, i actually found out that the house itself was created from the hell hole. Like it, it was, it was constructed by it right? Like the motivation to to create it, the motivation to do everything. And so it was always going to be a product of that. So we basically had to rebuild it in the etheric once it had been cleared because it felt empty after that. It felt empty. I remember that. And about like in a way that it felt like it didn't have a purpose in the way that a home usually does, but they moved out of it shortly after that.
0: (laughs) Okay. Chris, after that very heavy story, (laughs) can you give us a more lighthearted, happy ghost story?
1: Yeah, I'll do that. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about when loved ones have passed away is that, you know, especially animals. I'm going to tell a nice story about animals is that, you know, a lot of us have pet children, you know, pet children is that what we call them? Pet children? Fur babies, that's what we call them. Fur babies. Oh, I'm fur like babies. Has stuck in a different dimension there. Sorry, guys. You have, we have fur babies and we get really sad when we see that when they've passed and things like that. And the thing that I love more than anything is that so often after an animal has passed, it usually stays with you for the rest of your life. And because animals are our companions in life and they, especially obviously pets that we have. And they're here to help facilitate our growth, but they can't keep their hum- they can't keep their form for as long as we can. But that doesn't mean that the spirit and the aid that they give us is not still with us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've seen so many different times in which, you know, someone is really bereaved because of the death of, of the animal. And, you know, I can't help but, but express to people that the animal is with them and they are so happy. Like animals in the etheric, like animals that have passed over are just the happiest. They are spirits. They are the happiest form of a ghost that there is, but they're still there to give you the comfort and to do the work in the elemental, like do the work in that like kind of divine feminine way that animals have an impact in our lives. And, you know, I've I just, I just want to say that because I've, I've seen it so many times. I've seen people with all their animals around them, all their animals in their houses, you know? i've seen the work of how you know we help the animal but they help so much about us and you know if ever you're you're kind of wondering if they've you know all dogs go to heaven they do but they're also still with us so you know that's beautiful yeah yeah
0: well in closing i just want to go over a beautiful tradition as we're approaching halloween in a few days there is a beautiful mexican holiday called dia de los muertos in which you honor the dead. So in Mexico, people will visit the graveyards of their beloveds. They will bring marigolds, which are flor de la muerte. They are considered death flowers because uh, the dead are drawn to the flowers. They'll bring gifts, like if it's a child who died, they'll bring toys to the cemetery. They'll light candles. There's a lot of discussion and talk about death. And I really love that because I feel like death is so such a taboo in our culture in the U.S., And Mexico really embraces, you know. You'll see the calaveras, the skeleton statues. Like Frida Kahlo puts a lot of that in her art, and there's just a lot of intermixing of death with life. And and what it we can't truly live unless it. What is the saying? The art there's a there's a book called The Art of Death, or I'm sorry, Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah, Tibetan Book of the Dead. And basically, like if you embrace death and you see that death is is real you're going to learn to live more fully you know and so there's a lot of beauty in honoring death and honoring those who have died and in mexico what they'll do and i really encourage anyone who's grieving a loved one or has a loved one to do this tradition and and make an altar in your home with photographs of your beloveds that have passed and light some candles and put some marigolds and maybe their favorite sweets and to use this holiday as a beautiful opportunity to discuss the impact and joy that they brought to your life. And I think that that's a really a beautiful tradition to honor the dead in the way that the Mexicans do. I think it's an inspiration. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you feel inspired, look in our show notes. We'll show you some photographs of ways that you can make an altar in your own home to honor the dead. I do it every year. And I think it's great for my children because they get to learn about their past grandparents and my uncle and, I think it's just a great way to remind the living that the dead are still
1: among us. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. And then <laughs> literally Archangel Michael just dropped this in and I'm like, really, you want me to say this? We, we did a, you know, we have a dreams episode that y'all have listened to where we talk about lucid dreaming. And one of the things that the Tibetan book of the dead talks about is that one of the best ways that you can transition and not become a ghost who's confused is to practice lucid dreaming. Because okay. effectively when we die, that's what what happens, right? Is that the Tibetan Book of the Bed talks about how the fact that... that You're our- so
0: caught up in illusion,
1: you yeah. don't know where you are. Exactly. So the conscious awareness of a dreamlike state is very much what it's like after you die. And therefore, the better you get at lucid dreaming in this life the easier it is for you to not become confused after you die. So, we're giving you post-death tips here to <laughs> lucid dream and, you know.
0: Don't catch yourself being a ghost. Learn to lucid dream. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just want We're gonna to. have an infomercial on lucid dreaming. Yeah how to prepare for your death so that you don't become a ghost and if you do don't worry we got your back we will help you transition yeah. or and know if you do ghosts.
0: find yourself as a ghost just head over to robbie's house she's got a portal to heaven in her backyard exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note happy halloween happy halloween y'all We are taking our season break after today for two weeks. We'll be back. In the meantime, you can go back into TikTok at This Spiritual Fix, or you can go on Instagram. Well, sometimes we will have between the season special content. Thanks so much. And remember. Humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Book a free call with me at wwwchriswiltsycom forward slash discover. Are you afraid of turning into a hungry ghost after you die? If you're anything like me, the thought of becoming one of the many wandering spirits left over on this plane of existence after you die may keep you awake at night. Fear not. The This Spiritual Fix podcast has your back when it comes to graceful transitions into the afterworld. We have put together a package on helping you develop your lucid dreaming techniques, which according to historic spiritual texts, is one of the best known ways to transition safely, with no delays, into the collective unconscious afterworld. Visit our store on our website thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop to purchase our dream package for a limited time only you can also use die well as a code for 15 percent off results are guaranteed and you are welcome to send us an email from the afterworld if you have a less than satisfactory experience <laughs>